Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. Well, I have an exciting word for you today. Um, every now and then, you know when you read sometimes and you're just reading and you're, you're having your own service in your house and you read something and you just take off running. You ever had one of the moments before? I had one of those recently. And so I said, so I, I got to share it with them. Amen. And it's going to come off the subject matter that was preached last week. Um, uh, Dr. Rogan preached, what is man? Amen. And he said, um, our image is supposed to be a reflection of Christ. Amen. That's what man is. Amen. So today I want to talk about the habitat of man. Amen. Candace mentioned the habitat, but I want to talk about our habitat, amen, yeah. that God created us to abide in, amen? amen? Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm going to be reading from the New King James, and it reads, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground of the Lord made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now there was a river that came out of Eden, and there it parted and became four river heads. Somebody say four different streams. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that skirts the whole land of Havilah, where the gold is good. Somebody say the money is good. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hydekel. It is the one that goes east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Amen? It's, it's, it's in the Hebrew, it's nice to know that the, the Gihon River means uh, bursting forth. Amen? With rapid influx. Amen? Amen. And the Euphrates River means fruitful. Amen? Amen. You know, when, when the Bible was written, it was only supposed to be really two chapters. Amen? Amen. It's supposed to be two chapters, like a simple little manual. It wasn't supposed to be this 10-pound book, amen? It's supposed to be real simple and short and sweet. It's just one, one and two chapters, amen? Genesis 1 and 2. And I'm sure at your workplace, y'all have this, you know, policy and rules. Policy and rules are made because people done messed up, amen? You know, I remember being a police officer, and we would sit in roll call, and we always had a new training coming out because people was always messing up. It'd be, it'd be a random roll call. Do not put your uniform on your day off on and go to Chick-fil-A and eat for free, you know? <laughs> you can't do that. It was always, you know, somebody messing up. And so the Bible was the same way. Yeah. You know, it could have been just Genesis 1 and 2, but no, we had to send in the garden, amen? Noah had to get some Jack Daniels and some Coke and mix it together after, you know. And we had Bathsheba with David, you know, and people, it's just a whole bunch of people tripping. Yeah. And so we have this, this big book. <laughs> That's your redemption, Amen. Because people done messed up. But it's the owner's manual, Genesis 1 and 2. When you, when you go back on it, 
and, li- and read it, it shows you your identity and your purpose. Amen. You can find everything about your life just about in Genesis 1 and 2. It shows you your purpose, which is to have rule and dominion. Amen. Not over people, but resources. Amen. And it's about having, we, we want power. Amen. It's in your DNA to, have, to, to want to have power. Amen. But the world sees power as dominion over people, amen, so they can have resources. But in the, in the kingdom, amen, we have dominion over resources so we, so we can bless people, amen. It shows us about marriage with Adam and Eve. It shows us how God placed this man in the garden and gave him an assignment and said, oh, you know, he can't even find his keys. He can't find his sock for work. He says it's not good for brother to be alone. <laughs> Send him somebody. Send him a suitable help meet, amen. And then also it shows us about our environment, amen. And our habitat, that God said this is the perfect habitat for mankind to thrive in. Amen? When God created the fish, he created the perfect habitat. Amen? The stars in the sky and the sun, it's in the perfect habitat for it to thrive. Amen? You change it just a little bit, the sun and the stars aren't the same anymore. You take the fish out of the habitat of water, it dies. Amen? You take man out of Eden, and he ain't the same no more, amen? He's more depressed, amen? He's more suicidal. He can't keep his house together. His kids rise up and kill each other. It's a mess, amen? Without Eden, it is a mess, amen? When God created mankind, he put him in the perfect location, which was Eden. Eden was the perfect place. Everything was perfect for Adam. There was health and strength coming, amen? Different streams coming. It, was, it had a flow, amen? Whenever God creates a place for his people, he always makes a flow, amen? With the children of Israel, he took them to a land, amen? They said, this land is flowing with milk and honey. There's houses here that you didn't build, amen? Vineyards that you didn't plant. There is a prepared place for you, amen? Jesus, all the way to the end, he's still preparing places, amen? He said, behold, I, I prepared a place for you, amen? In my house are many mansions. Amen. Amen. There's a prepared place for you and me. A prepared place. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I have a a prepared place. place. Amen. You know, I love how Adam has an assignment. Amen. God's given him a work to take care of the garden. He didn't give him a job. He gave him work. You know, somebody can fire you from job, but God gives you a work. Nobody can fire you from your work. They can't fire you from work. But I love how his work and his job, amen, isn't for money. His work is for purpose. His work is for purpose, and he's already funded, amen. There's already a flow, and there's already streams, amen, that are coming. His work is already funded. When God gives us a work, it's for purpose. And I, I love how Eden is so, there's a financial and a prosperous, a prosperity aspect to it, Amen. The word Eden means delight. It means luxurious. Amen? In the Hebrew, it means extravagant, meaning no thought of money. When God wanted to place you in your purpose, he didn't want you thinking about money. We weren't, it is not in our DNA, amen, to worry about money. God never placed a people in a prepared place and had them worry about money. It's not in your DNA to drive past a neighborhood and be like, I can't live over there. It's not in your DNA to go to the store and your child asks for a toy and you say, I can't afford it. It's not in your DNA, amen, in your nature to before you say yes or no, you look at your bank account. It was never created for you to do that, amen? I love how Paul, amen, because whenever God has a people, the people are always thriving. There's, whenever God puts you in a prepared place, you always thrive. You're always well taken care of. 
I know Jesus was a, a successful carpenter. I, don't even, I already know that. Amen. But it says when he went into ministry, he had wealthy women supporting his ministry. Yeah. Wealthy women. He had a house by the seashore. Paul said, I abound. Amen. He said, he said, I have all now. I have all. Whenever God puts you in your work, amen, you are already funded and supplied for. He never takes you to a place where there is not a flow. He never takes you to a place that's not funded, amen. That's the world system, amen. The world system is so jacked up. They teach you, amen, how you're supposed to work for the sweat of your brow, amen. In reality, that was the curse of mankind. He told Adam that you're going to struggle, you're going to suffer, you're going to work all the days of your life, and it's going to be hard to come by. That is the curse of mankind. His purpose was that he thrive, amen? Somebody say, take me back to Eden. And that's what I was going to say about Paul. Paul always spoke about abounding, amen? That word abounding in the Greek, amen, it means ultimate success. He said that you abound in everything, that you abound to every good work. Everything you put your hands to, that you abound. I love how when you search it in the Greek, amen, there's a business aspect to it, amen. There's also a traveling aspect to it, meaning that when you travel, amen, internationally, like, like Abraham, all nations shall call you blessed, amen. The word, the word abounding that Paul always speaks of for you to abound in every good work is to have ultimate success. Having ultimate success, amen. But here's the thing. We have so many, we have so many tech, so much technology, amen. We have so much, so many historians and so many theologians, but we, we can't even, we, can, we don't know where Eden is, y'all. Right. And, if I, and if, we if I take you back to the, to the geographical location, I guarantee you, if you built a house, amen, I can guarantee you that you're going to live the same life you're living right now. The gold over there probably ain't good no more. <laughs> what was so different about Eden was it was a place on earth that had, that had, that had access to heaven. That's what made Eden so special. It was a place on earth that had access to heaven. When God, when Adam sinned and God looked down through, and, in the heavens and through the lenses of heaven, he says, Adam, where art thou? That was not a rhetorical question. He said, I placed you in a prepared place and I'm looking down through the lenses of heaven and I don't see you no more. He said, Adam, where are you? Eden, amen, is a place on earth that has access to heaven. We, every believer, is supposed to be living under an open heaven, amen? The prepared places that God takes us to are always a place that has access to heaven. They always have access to heaven. The children of Israel, when he's trying to take them, he's showing them the access to heaven, opening up heaven and feeding you manna, amen? Jesus, we told the disciples, he said, he said, go into the upper room, amen? Get together and be on one accord, amen? And when they did that, what happened? There was a rushing wind and a sound from heaven. You were not supposed to be living this life without influence from heaven. Whenever you have failure in your life, you can go to, you, you can go to church every day of the year, amen? You can read, you can read and pray, you can tithe. If you do not have heavenly influence in your life, it is failure. And you will live your whole life going to church, but living just like your neighbor that don't go to church at all. You are never supposed to live this life without heavenly influence. We're not supposed to live this life without, without access from heaven. You weren't designed to. That's why the world is depressed and crazy. It's because the whole world is living without access from heaven. 
That's what's going on right now. The news at 6 and 10 is people living without access to heaven. You were never designed to live without it. Amen? Go to Matthew 13 and 19. I found this interesting because sometimes, you know, even in church, we focus on the aspects of heaven. And, you know, we don't, we don't focus on the message of heaven. Heaven is a source. We're speaking about access to the source without, without mentioning them, without even bringing up the source. Amen. Matthew 13, 19. This is how much the devil hates the message of the kingdom of heaven. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is who um, he was talking about when, about the wayside. The, 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 the Satan is not omnipresent, amen? The Bible says he comes personally when he hears somebody receiving the message about the kingdom. He, he don't come when, you know, you hear the message about, you know, whatever y'all, y'all heard on TV the other week. He comes when there's a message about the kingdom. It's the message he don't want you to hear. It's the message he said, I can't have them listen to what heaven is like. Amen. I can't have them listening to the access about heaven. Amen. I don't want them hearing about it. He says he comes immediately to snatch it away. And I, I love this too. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life. That word life it means zoe. I always thought growing up reading that scripture that that meant when you die, you go to heaven. No, it's talking about life on earth. He said narrow is the way, amen, because this lifestyle takes a, a, a mindset to wrap your, being able to wrap your mind around this way of living. Most people can't do it. They've been too much indoctrinated with what's going on in society and religion. It's, it's almost impossible for them to do. He says narrow be the way. The enemy does not want you to hear this message. He does not want you to receive the message. He don't want you to act on the message. The Bible says he comes immediately to take it away. Amen? He comes immediately. He don't want you to have access. I remember dating my wife. We were in, we were in college. She said, oh. <laughs> it ain't a bad story. <laughs> she said uh, she had a friend, yeah, you know, a rich friend. You know, everybody have a rich friend, rich dad. You know, she pulled up the first day with, you know, luxury car, brand new, you know. It wasn't no bumper, it was brand new. And, you know, it, and then we, we go out to eat, you know, she pulled out that credit card. This is my dad's, you know, I got it, I got it, I got it, you know. She was, she didn't call her dad to ask her for nothing. She had access. She already had access. And I love how the Bible says, if those being evil know how to do good gifts to their children, how much more can your heavenly father do for you, amen? How much more? You know, and we don't, and we're so, like I said, it's almost harder. I understand now why Jesus chose people that didn't go to church to, to, to be his disciples. He went in the world and said, let me go find people because religion can indoctrinate your mind and your way of thinking about life. You know, and we come up with sermons now for excuses for failure, when God says no. You know, when a, when a mega preacher can get up and say, when God says no, and people shout and dance, not knowing the Bible says every promise is yes and amen. God never denies you a promise. And so we have this, we have this defeated message, amen, for a defeated way of living, because no one is living with access to heaven. 
so we gotta we gotta come up to you know to make your emotions feel good about going to church. Yeah. Find a way to make you shout, amen. Yeah. Yeah. When the door closes, amen. He says, though, even those being evil know how to give good gifts. How much more? How much more? Amen. Whenever you quit asking that question today, you stay in the you stay in the wilderness. Amen. How much more? How much more? You know, when Jesus came on the scene, heaven was the message. Amen. That was the message. The kingdom of heaven was the message. Heaven was the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was the prayer. It was the message. He was trying to culture shock everybody. When he came on the scene, he was trying to culture shock everybody. I remember, have you ever been culture shocked? You know, you've been somewhere and it's just a total different way of living. A culture shock. That's what Jesus did with, uh, when he came on, came on earth. You know, he says, you can't come up here anymore. I'm going to come down there and I'm going to culture shock everybody. You know, I remember when my parents first moved here from New Albany, Indiana. Um, it was in the late 90s. Um, it was a culture shocking, you know. You know, our, our school, uh, Grand Line Elementary School, um, it was one of those good, you know, booster schools, you know, where parents are boosters, you know, parents bring cupcakes for your birthday, you know, you know, it's happy-go-lucky, you know, you don't see no drama. Um, but my parents, they didn't do study uh, about Nashville when they moved back. <laughs> they left in the 70s and 80s. They left in the 80s. They didn't do any study about what Nashville was like now, you know. Right. North Nashville is great, you know. North Nashville would be awesome, you know. That's, that's what they was thinking when we, they, they brought us back here. So they put us in schools out and, you know, just did, didn't do any research on the school. Just put us out there, <laughs> you know. So we coming up there with, uh, you know, just, you know, oblivious to what's going, you know, oblivious. Right. Like the Supremes and the Funkadelics ran the 80s and, you know, 70s and 80s. This is 99-2000s. Cash Money ran 99-2000s. <laughs> like, this is different. This is different, you know. It's a different way of living, you know. You know, and... They just took us up there like it was, it was prison almost. You know, we sitting in there just seeing stuff we ain't never seen before in the classroom. Yeah. And we're going to the same school, you know, we like, you know, passing notes like we in prison, you know. Yeah. I see Karina, Keisha in the hallway, or you know. Dear Karina, how are you doing? I am in third period. A girl just got her tracks snatched off her head. She said that after school they gonna jump this other girl in the gymnasium. <laughs> Keep hope alive. <laughs> I have a dream that one day I won't be judged by the brand of my shoes. <laughs> and they just threw us in these schools. And then like, so we had to, it was a culture shock. We had, you had to get with the plan. And my mama was working in you know, these schools too. She was a teacher, you know, her car got shot up. Well, you know, I mean, she wasn't in the car. It just got shot up. I mean, she was on the news at six and 10 saying she don't even know what happened, you know. And so, <laughs> I mean, they missed her. There was a, you know, shooting. They, they, they were trying to shoot each other, but you know, the, you know, stray bullets. You know, and she's, and she's, but she's shocked at how, you know, how, you know, how we're acting now. You know, coming to me saying, you know, what's God, you know, what's happening to you? You know, you act like them boys in my school. I said, well, guess what? I said, newsflash. You know, that's where you put me. You know, I had to get with the program. You know, and so after a while, you know, I'm walking around pants sagging. You know, st you know, st you know, still getting in trouble. You know. He's like, well, what's, going, what's going on with you? I'm saying, Mama, I didn't ask for the streets. The streets, the streets came for me. Now I got to go. The block is hot, Mama. <laughs> you know, 
and, and, you know, we got, we got culture shocked, amen? So after a while, you know, after, you know, trouble and, you know, crazy stuff that I did in school, they put me in private school. I got culture shocked again, you know. I learned how to talk like this and say, hello, sir, how you doing? My name's Caleb. Yes, 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 yes. You know, and so it was a culture shocking. And that was what Jesus wanted to do when he came on earth. He wanted to culture shock people with the heavenly aspect, amen? He wanted to show you what heaven was like. It was a culture shocking. I want to show you what heaven is like, amen? So when the angels ask, what is man? Jesus said, I want the men asking what manner of man is this, amen? This is a man living out of heaven, amen? On earth, but living out of heaven. Living with access to heaven, amen? And that was, and his entire message was about heaven. I want you to know what heaven is like, amen? This is, this is the sermon I want you to hear, amen? The devil says, when you, when you hear this, I'm coming to snatch it. Heaven is the message, amen? amen? And I love how when you get culture shocked, it makes you, it makes you lose your religion. <laughs> you know, Jairus, amen, says he was a leader of the Pharisees. He was the one that called Jesus a troublemaker, amen? A drunkard, amen? Called him a glutton, amen? Said he was, you know, you know he called him trouble in the temple. But when his daughter died, amen, before he called the funeral home, he said, let me try the drunkard one more time. Let me try the troublemaker one more time, amen. Let me try this Jesus. Go, call, go find the carpenter's son one more time. I'm going to try this one more time because religion, heaven will always override religion. When you experience heaven one day, you let go of all your religion. You let go of all your religion. And the problem, you know, when you're starting a business, they tell you, they tell you, it's probably easier to hire people with no experience because somebody that has experience is coming in with a whole set of a different culture. And so, so many times for people in church, it's hard to hear the message of heaven because we've been so much indoctrinated with religion. You've been indoctrinated to come up with excuses of why you are failing, why God has failed you. And we can't figure out, so we, 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 we get these psychiatrist preachers to tell us why we are failing at life. There is nowhere in the Bible where God's people are failing in the place that he prepared for them. There's no, there's no evidence of it. There's no evidence of it at all. I want to show you how to find the kingdom, amen, because Jesus said, when you seek the kingdom first, and all these things should be added to you. You know, we are a representation of God's glory. When people see us, they should see that we're from, we're from a different culture. We have a different culture of heaven. When people see us, amen, God never, he, he never designed to have people that were, that were failing and broke and sick and, and busted and saying, these are my people. Because a king, whether you're a good or bad king, is based on how the people are living. And so he said, I, I want these people to be a, a representation of my glory. Amen. And so Jesus is trying to culture shock everybody, amen. He's walking on water, doing miracles left and right, not to for a show. He's trying to culture shock you that this is what happens when heaven comes to earth. This is what happens when you're living out of the access of heaven. You know, things are, are a little different, amen. It, um, turn with me to Luke 17, 20. Luke 17, 20. He said, when you find the kingdom, amen, you throw everything out the window you found, because you found your answer. It's joy, it's peace, it's health, it's wealth, it's everything that you need. 
He's talking, to, he's talking to the disciples. He says, now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, he answered and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is within you. That flips the script a little bit. Because we've been so designed in life to look externally for answers. So designed to look in books and go run to conferences, going state to state to get a word. Amen. But he's telling you it's already in you. It's all the answer is already in you. And the problem with people is we don't put any time into discovering ourselves. There's no time at all. People know you better than you, you know yourself. Amen. That's why you call people after getting to an argument and you asking them, well, she said, she said I was, in, you think I'm insecure? You think I'm selfish? That's what she was telling me. You asking somebody else about a question about yourself because you, you don't even know yourself. Don't even know yourself. Want to be a leader, but you're trying to get people to follow you that you ain't never met yourself. You're trying to date, but you trying to get somebody to fall in love with a you that you ain't never met yourself. We don't put enough emphasis on discovering what's on the inside of us. There's no, there's no emphasis at all. We're so into looking at other people, amen? Looking at, you know, we'll, we know more about others than we know about ourselves. We don't know who we are. He says the kingdom of heaven, this thing that we're supposed to be looking for, this thing that is supposed to be the greatest thing since heaven is on the inside of you, which is heaven, he says it's already in you. It's already in you. The assignment is already in you. The calling, the destiny is already in you. I already put it in you. You ain't got to look externally forward. It's already in you. You have to, you have to learn to, to try to discover yourself. Discovering myself, amen? Discovering what God placed on the inside of me. He said it's already on the inside of you. And this, this happens, it's a, trans, it's a mind transformation for change, amen? Yeah. It all starts with repentance. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. He said, repent and believe. Yeah. Repent and believe. Yeah. Believing what's on the inside of me. Believing what's on, what God placed in my heart. Yeah. Believing what's, you know, repentance, we look at the children of Israel, it's the greatest example of people that can't repent. They, they couldn't change the way they thought. They were slaves all of their lives. And when Moses freed them, even though he took them out of Egypt, he could never take Egypt, Egypt out of them. And so they stood in the wilderness because they couldn't get grasp this idea that God would prepare me a place, amen, in this land flowing with milk and honey. And that's why the Bible says this. The Bible says, woe unto a nation that will make a slave its king. Because you can take a slave, amen, and make and put a crown on his head and sit him at a throne, amen, but that does not change the way he thinks. It just exposes it. Right. We, can, we have to get to the point, amen, where we're able to look to the next level and have faith to get there. That's why he said repent and believe. I got to be able to have mind transformation to know that there's more to this. I got to have the faith to believe that there's more to this. How much more? That is the answer. How much more? Amen. How much more? Somebody shout, how much more? How much more? Turn with me to Luke 15, 11. 
because it takes mind change to get access. Mind change to get access. And he said a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to, to feed with the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that he, the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, when he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired men have more enough bread? But I am dying with, here with hunger. I would get up at once and go to my father and would say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him and said, son, uh, father, the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but the father said to his, his slaves, quickly, bring out the best robe and put, him, and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost, but now he's found and they begin to celebrate. I want you to focus on three different aspects of this. The first the first one, of course, is that he left his father's house to try the world system. Amen. He even took his father's wealth with him. But in the world system, of course, there's going to be failure. Amen. You might you may trust in the real estate market right now. I can guarantee you it ain't staying this way. He said the second thing I want you to focus on was that when he came back to his father, he had a realization that I've sinned against heaven, meaning I've turned away from heaven. He didn't, he didn't just say, my father's house. Jesus is just trying to tell you that this, this place represents heaven. Wow. He said, I sinned against heaven. And the best part about this is that he gave him a ring. When you study cultures and, and study this time frame, these are signet rings. These are signet rings, meaning that there's a symbol on the This is the father's ring. There's a symbol on the ring so that when he goes out to the marketplace, when he goes, when he goes out, he can just take the ring and stamp it, amen, on a piece of paper, and they can give him whatever he's trying to buy. This is access. The father gave him access. This all happened through a mind change, that he received access, amen? Mind change is the key, and having faith is the key to receiving access. I asked Wallace if I could tell this story. He said, yes, so I'm going to tell it. <laughs> I was talking to Wallace about, oh, it had to be like two, two years ago. And we were, we were in the car coming back from Clarksville. And uh, uh, I, think, I think my father was preaching or something. We came back from Clarksville. And y you can just tell when some people, you know, typically I, I was asking business questions. Like, 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 how's business going? And, and, and he told me, he's like, he's like uh, you know, so many words. You know, they're giving you a long story. He's like, oh, man, this ain't, it ain't going as well as, you know, as it used to be. And so, but he, but he wasn't, he didn't have, he wasn't depressed. He wasn't. You know, he was, he had a peace, amen, and he had a joy. And he told me, he said, uh, he's, 
he said in, in so, many, so many words that, you know, my, basically, my business is making six times less than it was before. That's, that's, that's hard. He, he said, but I'm not worried. He said, I, he, said, he said, I'm not changing my way of life. And he said, I've come to the realization, he said, it, because he was, he was happy, he was, he was excited about this re revelation he got. When, that's how you know you're on the right point. When you, when you get excited about the, not, not the manifestation, but the word. He had, he had a revelation and he said, God is, God is my stream. He said, he, he's revealed to me that God is my stream. So I, I'm not worried about what's going on right now. He said, I'm convinced that God is my stream. He, he had come to himself that God is my stream. He said, because so many times, I, in the story, I guess his main, the main contract that he was depending on wasn't there no more. Yeah. And so many times we can put our trust in men, amen? Yeah. And when the men leave, we're all hopeless. Yeah. But he says, no, God is my stream. Not, not, not this contract. God is my stream. He was preaching. It was good, but I was just like, you know, you know somebody's preaching, you're just like, you know, good job. You know, I, I hope it works out. I hope you really believe what you're saying, you know? <laughs> it come to find, because he told me, he's like, he's like I'm a, I think, you know, I'm just going to focus on this trash, this trash business. That's like public work, so you're like, you know, trash business. Okay, you know, you know, good luck. You know, God bless you. May he be with you. You know, <laughs> you come to find out, every week I would come talk to him. You know, how's it going? He's like, I got, I got another contract. I got two more contracts. Got four more contracts. Got six more contracts. We're in, we're in a different city now. We're in a, we're up here in a different state now. We have different contracts. And then, and then I knew it was real when he told me this. He said. A company offered me, my business partner, Darren, he said, he offered us seven figures for the business, but I told him it wasn't enough. Yeah. That's when I realized, I said, because I was thinking, like, when are you selling? He's like, no. He said, it's, I told him it wasn't enough. I want to hand this to my kids. Yeah. So I, I asked him, I said, I said what's, what's, the, what's the challenges? Because it's different cities, different states. And, he's, he, and he was really thinking, he's like, I can't, I can't think of any challenges. I said, like, how are y'all getting business? He said, I, I, don't, I don't call nobody. They call me now. I said, if that ain't what a flow is, if that ain't what God designed for a flow, if that ain't what a flow is, it's about having a flow, amen? You have a prepared place. You have a prepared place. He never operates with a people and does not prepare them a place. You have a prepared place, amen? Can you stand to your feet? He's prepared us a place. I'm going to read. You don't have to turn here. I'm going to read Matthew 18. Because I, I believe heaven is, is here right now. And I want to invoke some things right now over our lives. Matthew 18 says, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you should bind on earth, amen, should be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth, amen, should be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two or three of you, Two or more should be agree on earth is touching anything that they shall ask. It should be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Amen. I, I, my grandfather, his favorite scripture, amen, is, is the one I, I spoke about earlier. You know, all his friends are gone. All his wife is gone. His favorite scripture is behold, amen. You have prepared me a place. That's where his confidence is. Amen. I was thinking about that this morning. I said, we ought to have confidence that he's prepared us a place. That he has prepared us a place that I don't have to die to go to. It's already here right now. 
I have a place right now, amen, that's flowing, amen. There's streams that are not running out, amen. I have a, you got to shout that I have a flow. You got to believe I have a flow, amen.